0: for they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. And now we know that we have not been left alone here to worship in in blindness. We've been left with the Holy Spirit to guide us, to comfort us, to help us. And so this morning, Lord, we pray Help us to notice the work of Your Spirit in our lives. Help us to worship generously. Help us to worship freely together as Your people, knowing You, loving You, reflecting You in spirit and in truth. In Your name, Jesus, we pray.
1: Lord, we we come this morning and we come to worship your name. We come out of the this morning welcome welcome here into the uh, auditorium if you're at home welcome and lovely to see you at home as well just take a moment say hi to those around you would be great Well, lovely to see you this morning and, uh, and great to hear you chatting away. After the service, the cafe will be operational again. It'll be an opportunity to come as a family, just hang out, grab a coffee, grab something to eat, hang together, chat together and uh, just be, which is nice, nice to do. Welcome this morning. If you picked up, hopefully you picked up a, a copy of the bulletin on the way in, um, there's a whole bunch of information in there to have a read of, which I think is um, really good, it lets you know what's going on in the church. But there's a little piece on the back that I talk about sometimes. Uh, this, if you're relatively new to the church and you want to let us know who you are, just fill that in and pop it in the box on the counter. At
2: Hey, good morning, Central. Whether you're here in person or online, welcome. Uh, my name is Brian. I'm one of the new pastors around here. I haven't been here in a little while, so it feels like a whole new church. Um, Um, Just thanks. All the prayers. It's all scary stuff, right? But all the prayers and um, the food and the meals, and I mean, I got a busted arm and a broken hand, and I'm gaining weight, and it's wonderful. So, um, so thank you so much for all the all the help. Hey, I also want to say thank you for two other things. Um, we are a praying church, and we're asking for more people to join. Uh, this prayer team of ours, but we really are a praying church. Thank you for the prayers you've had. Uh, for me, just a little side story, the uh, this, the scan and the, and the um, x-ray said I was going to need two plates, multiple screws, a bunch of wires. I was going to have a titanium-enforced pulpit pounding fist is what I was going <laughs> to have. And um, they got in there for the surgery, and it came out, and they only did one plate and two screws. And they said, hey, I don't know what's going on, but didn't need as much as we thought. What we saw in the x-ray, everything's looking a lot better, so. <laughs> Good job. So we just keep praying. So if you want to be part of our prayer, email that goes out, please let the reception know. Um, we've got a big 24-7 Uh, prayer uh, fasting prayer thing coming up in november you'll hear about next week uh, as we are looking at who god wants us to be Uh, that's going to be an amazing time together and praying at home for 24 hours together so that'll be a great thing coming up so please be part of that team secondly the discernment groups what a phenomenal experience the groups that i've been a part of encouraging and hopeful and reminding us what God's always done here. So we're almost done. And you'll see the process that John talked about. Um, We're looking at some exciting times ahead. So I want to thank everybody so much for their involvement with that. So now let's continue in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Now my sister, I have a sister who is a bit of a superstar. She was a, a state champion swimmer. And she had, a, she had a, a record when she was 12 years old that lasted 10 years for breaststroke and really, really good. And then she went from, from being a swim, swimmer to a swim coach. And all her kids were part of her swim team, and she led one of the better swimming teams in the Valley in California. And then they um, adopted a little girl from China, Zoe, my little niece Zoe. And Zoe kind of grew up playing around the side of the pool and being a part of that. And then when she got older, about six, she started to swim, and she swam for two years and about eight years old, um, they were really worried about her because she would get in there, and every time she swam, she always came in last. And they're like, "Are you getting discouraged? Are you okay to keep swimming?" And my sister's the coach, and she's like, kind of embarrassed by this, and she's always happy as a lamb, and she's going all the sw- all the swim meets and having a great time. So then, when she was eight years old, uh, Kristen tells the story that she sat down with Zoe and said, "Look, Zoe, today is the first swim meet of the year, and we, I really want you to win a race." And at that moment, Zoe's eyes got open and she said, It's a race. <laughs> she said, <laughs> She said I thought we were here to meet people. It's a swim meet, right? Not a swim race. It's a swim meet. And in a blink of an eye, just like that, everything changed for her. All of a sudden, the lanes made sense, why there's lanes in the pool. People cheering on the side of the of this pool, uh, that made sense. A starting gun and medals and, and, and ribbons, it all made sense all of a sudden. And for the first time on that Saturday, she actually won a race. Just like that, everything changed because she had a different perspective on what was supposed to happen. We all have that aha moment, right? It's that aha moment when something, all of a sudden you see something completely different. It might be a relationship or a job or or school or grades and nothing's actually changed but your perspective has changed and now you see the world differently and you see it as it is not how you previously were taught to see it I got a clicker in here somewhere, here we go (laughs) there's lots of stuff in there if you guys need a drink I got some snacks Um. (laughs) so Uh, Stephen Covey writes about this in Seven Habits of uh, Highly Effective People. He says, we see the world not as it is, but as we are, or as we are conditioned to see it. What it means is that every single one of us holds on to uh, a view, could be holding on to a view that's actually holding you back. See, we see things the way we see it, and consequently we act on it based on how we see it. So possibly we're acting in a way that's holding us back because we don't quite see it the way it could be. So that's why in Christianity we have this central idea of renewing the mind, the Apostle Paul writes about. That it means that we learn to see things the way God sees them. And we learn to see the world the way God sees the world so that when God asks us to do something that's different, it actually makes more sense. See, we learn to see marriage the way God sees marriage, learn to see family the way God sees family, Uh, see neighbor or work or opportunities or money or stress or church. When we see it the way God sees it, it makes more sense when he asks us to do something. See, when we see as God sees, we're more inclined to do what God says. That would be a great daily prayer right there. Start your day, somewhere early in the day, just say, God, help me to see the world, see my job, see my kids, whatever you're See it the way you see it so that I can do what you tell me to do. What a great daily kind of prayer. But it's also what Jesus was doing in Sermon on the Mount. I think this is what he was doing. In the whole Sermon on this Mount, he was he was helping people see things differently, see them the way God sees them so that he... That it would make sense to what he was about to ask them to do. And today, we look at the passage where he talks about money. So, if you got your Bibles, you want to turn to chapter 6. We're looking at verse 19. Put your flat screens, put Paul up there, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. And we're right in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And he's talking about money, but he's not talking to rich people. He is talking to people who do not have a lot of financial resources. They're actually on the poor side of the spectrum. And yet what Jesus says to them has so much to do with how you find happiness, satisfaction, security, everything that has to do with money. And this is what he says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? See, no one can serve two masters. Either one will hate the one, or love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay, just imagine a junkyard. Just imagine a junkyard, uh, a waste dump. Everything in that junkyard now was once an object of great value. There was a day that it was bright and shiny, had the word sale above it, and it was new, and someone says, I want that, I'll pay for that, and they do that, and then Some time goes by, and a moth got to it, or rust got to it, or a thief got to it, or it got old, and it ended up in the junkyard. It didn't last, because now nobody wants it. It's called stuff. Stuff is like that, that all stuff is like that. All the stuff you have now is going to end up in a junkyard. You're just the middleman right now. The only difference between the merchandise in the junkyard and the merchandise you saw at Farmers or at JB Hi-Fi or at BMW is just time. That's the only difference, just time. See, treasure is junk waiting to happen. There's a scientific formula for that. Junk equals treasure plus time. See, junk is just treasure plus a little bit of time. That beautiful car is going to end up in somebody's spare parts junkyard. The, um, the valuable watch, the expensive table, that wonderful clothes you bought, it's all going to be on Facebook Marketplace someday, <laughs> and you're going to get nothing for it. See, we're learning from the greatest talk of all time, the Sermon on the Mount. And this week we're getting wisdom about treasures and, and treasuring now, there are uh, religious understandings and philosophies out there that, that say that um, our problem is that we desire stuff too much, and we get attached to stuff, and that leads to suffering. And therefore, we should learn not to desire anything at all, that the road to the good life is the elimination of all desires and, and wanting of stuff. It's not what Jesus is saying here. It's not even close to what Jesus is saying here. Jesus does not say you should not have treasures. People sometimes misunderstand Christianity as being anti-treasure, and they totally misunderstand Baptists as being anti-money. We're all supposed to walk around with animal skins and eating crickets, like John the Baptist or something. But see, Jesus understands this. He gets this. See, Jesus' claim is that everybody has treasures. We all have treasures. Human beings, by our very nature, are treasuring creatures. He made us that way. That's how God's made us. See, a treasure, there again, a treasure is something you seek to keep because of the value you place on it. We see this in really small kids, right? I see this in my daughter all the time. Little kids treasure a stuffed animal or a ratty old blanket or an Elsa doll, in our case, and and their, their heart just gets all wrapped around it, and, and it doesn't have to be expensive, but they value it like it's treasure. See, nothing can degrade another person, a child, an adult, more than to turn your nose up at what they treasure, to scorn what they treasure. Um, even someone who's experiencing homelessness or someone in prison they hang on to a letter or a photo and for them it's a treasure you know how it is someone that you love dies that old worthless pair of clothing an old pair of glasses all of a sudden that belonged to them all of a sudden becomes a treasure to you that you will never never let go of see treasuring is a deep and wonderful part of what it means of what it means to be human See, the Greek word that Jesus uses all through this passage talking about treasure is the word that we get, that we use now called thesaurus, a thesaurus. A thesaurus is a treasure trove, a treasure store of words, of meanings. That's why you go to a thesaurus, find a treasure trove of different words that you can look up. Um, Our lives are meant to treasure stores of meaning. And Jesus uses a variation of this word five times. Five times in this passage, just the first few sentences of this text. So don't feel bad if you got stuff that you love. Don't feel bad about that. Don't feel bad about treasuring some things. God loves that capacity in us. He, he, it's, just, he, it's the same way that we love seeing our children love something that you've given them. He loves to see us respond in the same way. He doesn't say don't treasure anything. He just says, don't treasure the wrong things. Don't wrap your eternal heart around earthly treasures, he says. Not because they're bad, he says, but because they won't last. They're temporary. Wrap your heart around something that's temporary, and it disappears. Your heart's going to get broken. If a moth doesn't get to him, rust will. If rust doesn't get to him, thieves will. And if thieves don't get to him, your greedy little kids are going to get to him after you die, right? (laughs) So it's all going. So whatever that stuff is, it's gonna wear out, it's gonna give out, it's gonna burn out, it's gonna rust out, it's gonna it's gonna be thrown out, but not you. I think that's what we have to get in this passage. You won't be thrown out. Not you, not you, not you. This is the treasure. Remember, Jesus says that what is most real is what is unseen. Beginning with God, our Heavenly Father, who's unseen, and God's will, His kingdom. See, physical stuff is just physical stuff. It's it's atoms and molecules all kind of put together, and physical stuff's not treasured until it is treasured by you, the treasurer. You are a treasurer by God's design. Everybody has treasures. And that means everybody has to find a treasure-finding strategy. Now, there are people who have jobs that are called, what they call market timers in the stock market, right? They'll watch the stock market for signs of that market is going to go drop or going to climb, and then they'll reinvest in what's going to be safe. Um, When you look at the stock market, one of the first big stocks that went on the stock market was IBM. Went on the New York Stock Exchange back in 1915. Now, you guys are smart people, so I want you to think about this. If you had acquired one share of its stock on that day in 1915, take a guess at how much you would be worth right now. Take a guess. Think about it. Tell the person next to you how much you think you'd be worth right now. You ready for this? The correct answer is actually this. If you bought one share of IBM stock in 1915, you would be dead right now. (laughs) You would be worth nothing right now. And we forget about that. Jesus doesn't. And that's the point. People always want to know the right timing for the stock market, the right timing for the housing market buy low, sell high, all that stuff. But when it comes to treasuring, Jesus is the ultimate market timer. And he says there's two markets. One's temporary and one's eternal. And Jesus is pretty bearish on the earthly market, but extremely bullish on the heavenly one. Proverbs writes about this. Did I put this up here? Yeah. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. I think it's funny, the back of the American money has eagle wings, and my dad is a banker. He used to see those wings. Uh, That means it just kind of flies away, so just watch out. Um, But this proverb, there's a more recent uh, version of this wisdom of this poem. It's called Money Talks. It goes like this, that money talks, I'll not deny. I heard it once. It said, Goodbye. See, Jesus says, where your heart is, sorry, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. In other words, if you are investing, where you invest the most, that's where your heart's going to follow. Whatever you put the most investment in, your heart will lean that direction. Our hearts follow our investments. Whatever we're investing in the most, our hearts are going to find themselves there. And with our hearts, then comes our trust. (coughs) and all our decisions based on that. And so what happens is that whatever we're investing in, ultimately we find ourselves loving those things the most and trusting those things the most, and that's Jesus' concern. That's what this whole little thing about money is all about. His concern isn't about whether you save money or not or whether you're rich or poor. His concern isn't about uh, you saving treasure. His concern is investing about the inevitable process that comes when you start to trust in heavenly treasure, which is so dangerous, so dangerous. He says, look, I don't want you trusting in it because your problem is that your heart follows what you invest in. If you invest in things that disappear, where's your heart gonna go? But here's the scary part. This isn't instantaneous. It's a process. It happens slowly over time. In fact, when you notice what Jesus says, he uses two different timings. He says, where your treasure is, present tense, right now, what you're investing in right now, then he goes future, your heart will follow, future tense. He says, whatever you're investing in now over time will become the place where you find your heart. But it's a process. It happens slowly over time. It's not instantaneous. Your heart doesn't just jump to it. The reality is we're all investing in different things. Over time, we invest our, in our talent or our treasure or in our stuff or in our skills. And if you look at all those different things that you invest in, what you're going to find is that you can categorize them. Earthly treasures, heavenly treasures. And Jesus says you've got to pay attention to where you're putting your investments because your heart drifts in that direction. Now the drifting part, that's good news. It's also bad news. But it's good news because it drifts over time. Maybe you're certain thinking, go, you know, the reality is I'm investing pretty heavily in earthly stuff. Putting all my time into house, my business, my education. Um, I'm using money and stuff to build up my significance. And I'm finding my security and my bank account and my my job title. And I'm finding satisfaction in what I own and what I'm known for. See, the good news is it doesn't mean that your heart is locked into that. That your trust has got to be just in that. Not necessarily. See, the better news is that you can always do something about it. Because it's not instantaneous. You can always course correct It's never too late to start transferring your trust. It's never too late to make the steps necessary to make sure your trust doesn't end up in something that can be taken away from you. It's never too late to start transferring your trust. That's the good news. But here's the bad news. The bad news is because it happens over time, often it happens and you don't know it's happening. It happens without you even having a clue that's what's going on. And you can transfer your trust from God to stuff or title, or experience, or skill, or whatever without even being aware of it. So if now you're sitting here thinking, you know, to be honest, I'm investing pretty heavily in earthly stuff, but I don't have a heart for those things. I don't don't love those things. I don't don't think I put my trust in those things. You're probably right. You, You probably don't. But what's happening is you're starting to. It's slowly happening. You're not aware of it. It's a gradual thing. It's a drift. It happens over time. So what do we do about that? And this is where Jesus speaks up again. He's very pro-treasure, and he gives us the greatest investment tip of all time. Store up yourselves treasures in heaven, he says. Now, the most important commandment In the Christian tradition, Judeo-Christian tradition is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That is treasure God above everything else. Treasure God above everything everything else. Love him, worship him, think about him, delight in him, meditate on him, adore him, uh, thank him, serve him, prize him, be surrendered to his will, be grateful daily for his gifts, be directed towards his purpose, be secure in his love. You cannot treasure God too much. Much. It's not possible. The strategy for investing that resolves around storing up earthly treasures is a bad investment strategy. The strategy around heavenly treasures is the good investment strategy. I heard an analogy a while back when I was a kid, pretty helpful. Imagine that you check into a room at the Bella Vista Motel. Okay, you go in there, you open your door, and you go, oh, it's the Bella Vista Motel. You look around, it's all beige, everything's beige. You're not content with your room, so you go, you know what? I'm going to go up the road to Bed Bath and & Beyond, and I'm going to buy some of the best towels I can for this bathroom. And then you go to an art gallery on your way back, you go, I'm going to get some new art to put the paintings on that wall to make it feel more homely. And then I thought, you know, the bed was awful springy. I'm going to go to Bed Post, and I'm going to get the best mattress they have for my sleep. And then that teeny, tiny little TV they got there, I'm going to go to JB Hi-Fi and get a big 55-inch widescreen high-def TV to go in the room. Not many people do this, right? It's very rare that people spend huge amount of monies to redecorate their motel room. Why? Because you're going to check out, right, really soon. I mean, duh, right? No, this is not rocket science. The number one rule in the motel game is get people in and out as quickly as you can. Why would you invest huge amounts of resources into something when you're going to check out of it really soon? And Jesus says, you've got to look for something different, says don't store up yourselves treasures in heaven Uh, on earth I mean he goes instead consider this the eye is the lamp of the body now what is that about this is the aha moment it's a race this is what this is about we need to see things more clearly see greed consumerism chronic discontentment a lack of generosity make me look at the world wrongly but I've been kind of You know We live in a world that says you have the right to have more, know more, get more, be more. I've been taught to look at the world this way. So instead of looking at what I have and being grateful, instead of looking at people in need and being generous, instead of looking at God and being confident and secure, I look at others who have more than I do, and I get envious. And that's a dark, dark place. So here's the deal. All day long, We walk through a world filled with what God treasures most, people. One another, neighbors, workmates, schoolmates. And all day long, we walk through a world full of what people treasure most, stuff. And Jesus is saying, see what God sees. See what he sees. God treasures people the most. Amazing statement in the book of Deuteronomy. For the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, that's Israel, God's people. Jacob, his allotted inheritance. See, all the other gods in all the ancient world used people. Only God of the Bible treasures people. You are somebody's treasure. The person you're sitting next to is someone to be treasured. God is so determined to treasure you that he sent his son jesus to come here to live amongst us to teach us and then to die on the cross for you because he treasures you and not just you but every single purpose on this planet every single purpose it's the drugs it's the drugs (laughs) every single person wow tremadol is a wonderful thing um (laughs) Every single person on this planet has this invisible price tag that says eternal image of God worth the life of God's Son. See, life in the kingdom of God means treasure people and use money. Life in the kingdom of earth means treasure money and use people, usually to get more money. The deepest desire of every single human heart on this planet is to be treasured. Every human heart needs to be treasured. Everyone, God treasures you and every single person you've ever laid eyes on. Married, single, divorced, separated, rich, poor, black, white, atheist, Christian, uh, Muslim, Buddhist, gay, straight, young, old, happy, sad. Doesn't matter, God treasures them all. And then he invites them all to be treasured by him through Jesus. And then through Jesus, he commands us to treasure what he treasures, which is one another. So you know the car accident. Brianna and I were in a car accident. Rachel and I had just spent a whole lot of money on a brand new car, electric car, do our bit for the planet. And... We paid it because we saw it as an investment. This car would last us the whole time for 10 years here in Hamilton. We'll drive around Hamilton without paying for any petrol. Big investment. But on the way home from picking up Brianna from preschool, a, a, a gentleman blacked out going the opposite direction on the road, jumped the median strip on we Drive, and collided into us head on. Brand new car that we only had for 10 days. Brianna in the backseat. The car completely totaled, completely written off. Guess. Guess what It was the first thing I did when those airbags went off and the, and the stop car stopped moving? Guess what the first thing was I did after that accident? Yeah, you guessed it. I looked for my phone because that was also new. No, <laughs> no, of course not. You check Brianna, right? The first thing you do, you check Brianna. The car was still moving. I'm checking Brianna to make sure she's okay. See, stuff is temporary. Junk is treasure plus time. People. My daughter. Eternal. Everything with God is about a who, not about a what. Everything. We use our earthly treasures for heaven's purposes, for God's purposes. We do good with it. We help others with it. We're a blessing to those that we have an opportunity to be a blessing with, whoever crosses our path, We try to alleviate uh, alleviate poverty where we can. We set people free from bondage with things like our cap programs and helping people understand what money and stuff can do to your head. We do all these things we do because of the earthly treasures that God has blessed us with so that we can then be a blessing to others. So why the drift? Security, significance, you name it. So how do we avoid that drift? We avoid that drift with one English word that summarizes all of this, and that's generosity. Generosity is the reboot. Generosity keeps our trust in God and our hope in heaven. That's why we do generosity. That's it. Generosity. We practice generosity. We avoid the drift. That's how we stay free to follow Jesus to wherever he may lead us. We practice generosity as an individual, as a family, as a flat, as a church. But generosity, it it has to come from the heart. Um, It has to come from the heart. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Then it goes on to say, because God loves a cheerful giver. I want to key on the word compulsion, because you don't do this out of guilt. You don't do this because the preacher's going to preach about giving and money every other Sunday until you do. It's not about that. Generosity keeps our trust in God and our hope in heaven. That's the drive. It's got to come from the hearts. And the best way to grow in generosity is to practice it. Practice taking steps at generosity. Now, I want to kind of walk through what I mean by this because um, this isn't about just I need you to give more money to the church because I kind of like paying the bills and making sure we can have electricity and pay the staff. That's not what this is about. This is actually a transformational thing. This is about how do we keep... Our, our hope in heaven? How do we keep our focus on God? So, I just want to walk through steps on how do you practice generosity. Now, I'm going to use our church as an example. I'm going to use Central as an example. The reason I'm going to use Central as an example is because I think this is a good place. I think we are really good people. I mean, you look at all the laughter and fun half hour before church starts in the cafe and people, big hugs and laughs and stuff. Incredibly generous place. It's a safe place. It's a trustworthy place to practice steps of generosity. And God's got plans here. He's already showing us through these discernment processes. I can't wait to see what he's going to show us next. But if you come to Central for some reason and you don't trust Central, you don't give here. Practice generosity with some other organization. See, the practice of generosity is not for the organization. It's actually for your own good. So here's what it looks like to take the next step. Right now, if you're not giving anything, money, talking about finances, you're not giving anything, start giving something next week. All right? I'm not going to do an offering right now. So here comes the plates. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, Take some time to listen to God throughout the week. Take some time to be considerate about it. And next week, when you come back here to Central, give a small amount. And I think what's going to happen is that you're going to find out that even giving a small amount does a huge thing in your heart. It starts here. It begins to loosen the boundaries or the bindings that money can have on us. And if you've never given anything ever before, just give a little something and just see what God might start to do in you. Now, if you're already giving a little bit occasionally, every once in a while I give some, I want to encourage you, your next step is to give something regularly. Regularly. So if you're giving something kind of occasionally, uh, maybe randomly, um, maybe you want to start working out, I want to do it more regularly. It might be weekly, I'll give a little bit. Or every other week, fortnightly, I'll give a little bit. Or maybe it's once a month. I actually know some people that give every year. They only give once a year. It's, a, it's an amount extra year. And I'm going to suggest that if you do give once a year, Consider breaking it up into 12 bits and maybe give it once a month. And this is why. If you want to get in physical shape and get healthy, going to the gym one time a year isn't going to do it. I've tested the theory. I don't care how hard I work out, and I don't care if I'm sore for a month. I see no change whatsoever by going once a year. Same thing happens in the spiritual transformational world. On giving regularly basis on by something doing something regularly as a habit God uses that to to mold us and change us because to free us from the negative power of money so I want to encourage you that if you just give every once in a while now consider how regularly do you might want to give it now if you're already giving something kind of regularly now I want you to consider taking the next step of generosity which is give it systematically systematically and that is have a system so that as soon as your money comes in, you give a percentage to the church. Now, I, kn- I know you're already, oh, here he goes. Here's the 10% thing. Here comes the tithe. It's all about the tithe. It's not. It's not about the tithe. You might want to start by saying, I'm going to give 1% of my paycheck every fortnight. It might be 2. It might be 4. It might be 5. I don't, I don't actually care. If you've been around church for any long period of time, you know they always talk about the tithe, 10%. But times are hard right now genuinely hard, and inflation, and COVID, and job loss, and you see it around here, Ulster Street, uh, and, and Pack and Save, you see how it's affecting people. Giving 10%, not everybody can do that right now. I can't do that right now. So it's just too much, wouldn't be able to pay the bills. And, and if that's where you are, that's okay. But it's better to give something, even a little bit, systematically, because it's going to be good for us on how we do that. So maybe your next step is to give some percentage. And then if you're giving something systematically, the next step is to go there with the tithe and consider giving 10%. And at the beginning of every paycheck, you just give 10%. It's easier math anyway. You know how hard it is to figure out 3%? That's so hard. So 10% is just just move the decimal point. It's geography. It's not even math. It's just geography. (laughs) Maybe that's your next step. Then... If you're at a point you're saying, I already tithe, I already give 10%, well, the good news is you're done, right? You're done. You're t- you can't be more generous than that. You can't be more free to follow Jesus if you're already giving your tithe. Now, nah. what it means is this. The way I think God uses his body of people that we learn to trust God with our resources and our money. And we start a little bit of a time, and we learn, and we learn, and we get it, and we see how God provides, and, he, and things work out. And then you get to the point where you're doing 10% to the local church because you trust that we, together, we use that 10% for the sake of the city, for the sake of neighbors, for the sake of one another. That's where it goes. It's a shared house. We share it for everybody else. Then you move into what's often other preachers call the Holy Spirit-led uh, generosity. And that is where you pray. Say, God, I actually have more money. Where can I give it? And that might be a missionary. It might be another organization as well as a church. It might be a person, sorry, a significant person that you know of. The bottom line is we use our earthly treasure for heaven's purposes to do good. Because it comes down to this, and this is what Jesus is talking about in this passage. Who do you serve? Who do you serve? It's going to all end up in the junkyard anyway, so, so don't let it tell you what to do, is what Jesus is saying. Nobody can serve two masters. One way to think about it is this, and this is what I'll wrap up with. Money is a good tool, but it's a bad treasure. It's a tool to meet your life uh, needs. It's a tool to take care of your family. It's a tool to provide for your retirement. It's a tool to express your trust in God. It's a tool to be generous with other people, to help and make a difference in the life of others. In fact, everything you own is a tool. God uses your money and your possessions as a tool, not a treasure. We ask, what are we going to have to show for it? God asks, who do you have to show for it? So your cash is a tool, so is your home, so is your car, your backyard is a tool, your dining table is a tool, your barbecue, you, your pool, your batch, your golf clubs, your money, they're all tools to focus on someone else. And I know I'm preaching to the choir on this, because you get this. Rachel and I have experienced outrageous generosity from you all here central. Places to live and food and gifts and card and prayers and texts and phone calls. This church has a history of being generous. I mean, look at this building of ours. Baptists don't do buildings like this. We have a worship center and a cafe and a children's area and a gym and an outdoor playground and even parking. I mean, that, that all came from people's generosity over the past years. If you are new to Central, you are surrounded by a unique kind of person here at Central. They love each other. Look at all the banter that goes on before and after church. They are prayers, and they are generous, extremely generous people. See, the fact is, we can take something and use it as a tool for someone. That makes the temporary become eternal. Money and possessions are great tools to seek in order to be a part of God's pursuit of seeking others with His love and with His Son and with His gospel. See, it's a bad thing to make my money my treasure because then it becomes my master. And you become shaped by whatever you treasure. If you treasure money, you'll be shaped by greed. If you treasure security, you'll be shaped by fear. If you treasure approval, you'll be shaped by reputation. If you treasure success, you're going to be shaped by achievement. If you treasure physical appearance, you're just going to get vain. If you treasure power, you're going to become arrogant. But if you treasure God, you're shaped like this. You're shaped by love. That's Jesus' point in this. Don't let the things you treasure tell you what to do. Treasure people as God treasures people and use the things you have as tools to treasure one another. One last comment as we wrap up. 2023 coming up, people don't talk about inflation, what's going to happen. If you ever find yourself worried about money, if you ever worry about not having enough not being able to pay your bills or not being able to educate the kids, take care of the family, uh, how to leave money behind for your kids, your grandkids. If you ever worry about the cost of living, being able to afford retirement, if you ever worry about money or ever worry about anything at all, Jesus has the most staggering, profound, life-changing advice on Managing anxiety and worry in human history. And that's what we look at next Sunday. You don't want to miss next Sunday. We have a special preacher next Sunday. Let's pray. Father God, it's, it's such a, a paradigm shift to get our heads around. When we talk about money, you're talking about people. When we talk about stuff, you're talking about people. When we talk about tithing and generosity, you're talking about people. Help us to see the world the way you see it so that we can do what you ask because it makes more sense. Help us to see our stuff as tools that you have lavishly blessed us with money, possession, home, whatever, as a way to connect with others and show love to others and care for one another and time with one another. Let it be a place where we turn something into a someone and the temporary into the eternal. Thank you, Jesus, for your wise words that help us get used to a different way of seeing the world so that we act like you, in all things, and we serve one master, and one king, and one God, and that is you, and we do it in your name, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.